guys. Welcome to a super special and random edition of the Creepin' It Real Horror Cast. I'm your host, Meg. And this just happened to be Lunchbox and I having a really good conversation after we finished watching Shocker for our West Craven month. So it was so good and it was going so well that I had to just hit record in the middle of it. So you're going to jump in sort of mid-sentence, um, but... I enjoyed the content, Lunchbox enjoyed the content, and I thought the conversation went pretty well. So hopefully you guys enjoy it too. And um, once again, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. We can't do this without you. Uh, Hit the like button, share, subscribe, comment, tell your friends, five-star reviews, and enjoy this super random episode, Horror and Honest Conversation. I didn't say I hated it. No, 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 no. But like you were, you had, when you turn to me and go, why? That means that there's a problem or or there, like it's, it's definitely not good. And when you say, when you turn to me and go, it's not good. That doesn't mean I hate it. No, no, no. I'm saying it's not a good movie. It didn't make sense. The whole thing was a fucking mess. I don't want to talk about it right now. So I'm talking about Wes Craven and I'm talking about the blanket. Right, but my my two questions are, is the received fan wisdom valid, and is it honest? But but what do you mean, is it honest? Is it honest? Is it it based on the fact that he created Freddy Krueger, and so that colors the perception, because he created Freddy Krueger, one of the most, in terms of like, horror movie Mount Rushmore, he's on it. As one of the most recognizable figures on the face of the planet for horror movies. Uh, when I say is the received fan wisdom being honest, what I'm at what I really mean is, is it tarnished by the coloring of ha- him having created Freddy Krueger? So everything yep. he does gets put into this happy little Ev- basket. So think th- if you think about it this way, so there's only been maybe a handful, maybe a, a, a number of directors you could possibly count on one, maybe two hands, where it's when you say their name, you get not just one movie, you get like a slew. And I'm thinking like, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg, James Cameron. Yeah. You know, it's Cameron's another one, though, where. He has way more hits than misses. I mean, Avatar was a dumpster fire, but Avatar was not a dumpster fire. But it was just like it. It. it if you think about like all the production and everything that goes into it, it's a fan. It's a great movie. It's just one of those like it's like no, the sto- it's a fantastic movie that no, no one talked about. The story was dumb. It was all visuals. It was a visual spectacular, is what it was. Yeah, the, the story was nothing special. No, but uh, that's what I'm the, saying no, though. The is, story. The story is Ferngully with blue people sure it's not like i said nothing special but i'm saying is like with so but cameron's one who rarely misses no that's what i'm saying is like all of his movies are are insanely good uh you know when you got guys like you know steven spielberg where yeah i mean a lot of his movies i mean you know like et jaws 
Indiana Jones. I mean, so, like, all those are, like, they're all fantastic movies, and, like, fans love the shit out of them. Right, but he's also another one that rarely misses. Exactly. So, when you got guys like that, so, with horror movie, and now, if you if you think about it, all those guys are action, action movie, comedy, comedy. Right. But, um, like, so you have that, that style. With horror movies directors, can you name any director that has that kind of credibility where every single movie, oh, to a degree, every single movie is an absolute smash? In terms of what? Are we talking smashes in dollars or in quality? Just quality. In quality? Yeah. Just like, just in in fan, fan likingness. Sure. And in terms of received fan wisdom, there's... Carpenter, Craven, Cronenberg. No, 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 no. No, I'm talking like because based off of what you just said. What What do you want me? Do you want me to give you my perception of it, or do you want me to spew off what is in pop culture? No, what I'm okay. Craven, Carpenter, are the two biggies. Sure. Right. Their fame sprout like is sprouted from. The creation of Freddy Krueger, mm-hmm. Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Cunningham, I think, is popular, but... His it, movies are not good. Let's, if we're being perfectly honest about the Friday the 13th movies... Yeah, they're... But there's something about them that just drives people in. So, you have... I'm going I'm to throw Cunningham in the, in, the, in the mix, but... Pull Cunningham out throw Toby, Toby Hooper in instead. Because okay. he also because he did Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Poltergeist. But, I'm sure there's others, but those are the two big but that, ones. No, but okay, I'm, I'm going to throw those out. I'm just doing okay, so Craven because th- these are going to like set my point. Craven and, and Carpenter, they have a really extensive catalog, and, and and they're pretty much almost all horror movies. Like they're both horror movie directors. Yeah, more or less. So. In that medium where you're trying to do the shock and awe, mm-hmm. a lot of times you're going to have those misses. Every There are so many horror movies that we sit there and watch and we're like, this is not scary. It's a horror movie, but it's not scary. Mm-hmm. The fact that they both were attached to iconic characters mm-hmm. that did actually scare people back in the day because they and especially Craven because he created one of them Carpenter didn't create the other one What do you mean? Did Carpenter create the Michael Myers? Yeah, did he create Michael Myers? Yes. Him and um his writing partner Deborah Hill. Okay, that's what I th- I thought that somebody else wrote wrote no. him in and he direct Okay. No, he okay. created Michael Myers. So then he's in this is in this conversation too. So because they created these characters from the ground up and they've been they are now papas to these two psychos. That is something that they will always right ha- live with because fans do this thing where these are the most popular out of everything that they've done, no matter what, 
you are always going to be attached to those guys. So with the fan theory, now it's like when we were uh, driving down the road and listening to that podcast about Hellraiser, and when those guys when they were going through and they were saying like, oh, like sprouting out all these the problems with the movie, and I'm like, well, fuck, I didn't think about that. Like I just liked it for these reasons, and that's why it was like one of my favorite like films for Mm -hmm. the longest time. I think a lot of fans do that. They latch on to certain things and they don't step back to actually look at what the problem is. So are. what you're saying is objectivity is missing. Yes. And with Wes Craven, it is not to say that he's a bad director because what he has done, the way that he his directing style, the way that he actually gets his actors to, you know, portray whatever they're trying to do mm-hmm. is is fantastic. And he, it's just, but I think it could be the uh, the medium as to what is happening. With Shocker, I don't think it was a bad idea. I think it was just a miss on some of the concept. And I think if they got rid of the whole, like, or maybe did a little bit more explaining as to why he now had a telepathic link to his... Well, it- None of it made sense. That was the worst part of the whole thing. But, so you're basically explaining my point. You are saying that fans don't necessarily have objectivity. If I'm listening to you correctly, I'm going to repeat this back. So what you're saying is that because they've globbed onto these super famous characters, that clouds their view of everything else those directors and writers have done. So maybe they hold it in higher regard than they would have if, say... Craven didn't create Freddy Krueger. Let's just say Craven was just your Eli Roth type horror director. And he just sort of makes what feels good at the time. And he didn't actually create anything that had any long-standing substance. Do you think that if, let's pretend Freddy Krueger never happened... Well, if Freddy Krueger never happened, then he never would have made the rest of the movies, if we're perfectly honest. But let's put Freddy Krueger to the side... If you remove Kruger from the mix and Ghostface from the mix, can you honestly and objectively look at the rest of Craven's filmography and go, this is amazing blanket statement? No. That's what I'm asking. That, that's no. why I said. But, that, but, um, but I also say that as if, in a way, if he didn't have Kruger... He wouldn't have that legendary status. He may still be a fantastic director, and one of his other movies that could could have been picked up and are like, holy shit, no, this is this is fantastic. But it's just because that iconic character became the this mega power in horror. So then, so then, received fan wisdom's not honest. It's it can't be if if. But that's the thing is like because if it, it's. If it's a when you say the word fan, what I told you about the whole like Hellraiser thing, it's not to say that I'm it's being like a blind or uh, kind of like a muddy whatever like how you how you put it. Um, it's their judgments clouded. 
is essentially what I'm saying is because because simply because he created Freddy Krueger, everything else he does from that point out is amazing. Can do no wrong. Like this is what received fan wisdom is based on Craven's movies is everything is amazing. He can't fuck up. It's all perfect because you created Freddy Krueger. That's not right. I'm not I'm not saying that that is right. It's dishonest. I'm um, it's no it's to say that like Wes, all of Wes Craven's films are stellar and, and fantastic and he's just legend and because it's it's great like because of Kruger is not correct. I'm saying that Wes Craven is a legendary is a, is a legend director because like because he created that that one character, and it's one of the, but it's it's not okay. Let me rephrase it. He's not a legend director. He's just an iconic. Like it's very, um, it, it's he's one of those like the most notable, and that's where it's like sure. with like Steven Spielberg, James Cameron. Like whenever you say the word Nightmare on Elm Street, you know right. Freddy Krueger. Like his name comes to mind. Right. And then, like, on top of that, where, but I, like, the history that goes into it, because he created the first one, and that was it, and then, like, it spawned off into this whole, like, franchise, and there's a lot of, like, turmoil, like, so the history behind it, and a lot of fans can go into, it's kind of like the stuff with, with you know, Stephen King and Kubrick, where it's like the fans are like, oh, well, you know, Wes Craven made this, and now they're just you know, jacking up, but, oh, we're still going to go see it because it's a Kruger film and we're going to go and have fun. But I think that's why, then I honestly can draw the conclusion based on what you said, that receive fan wisdom is 100% dishonest. It it cannot be, it can't be honest because it's, they're not able to, like, you can't call someone horror master. When they've only really created, I mean, luckily Craven well, Craven did it twice because he did it with Ghostface too. No, so but he was can, lucky. But you can call him a like I would call him a horror master because his entire catalog is that is just horror. He didn't spawn it, off and did do the buddy comedy. He no, didn't no, no, spawn no. Off and do no. He did his entire catalog is is essentially horror movie except for maybe Music of the Heart, which we'll put aside because that yeah yeah he went through a phase. Um, no, what. I think let me try to figure out how to phrase this here. I just I feel like the word dishonest isn't correct. I I think it's more because that's a kind of putting a negative spin on yeah, it. Yeah, but it, it, you can't you can't he's made horror movies, but the question is is the bulk of what he's made any like objectively any good? It's it's all based on the the viewers perception and and it always is i mean i just read read you some of the reviews where people are giving shocker a 10 out of 10 whereas i feel like you would have got given it like out of a 10 score you probably given it a three you'd have been like it doesn't make sense like and you're just picking this apart because you're the way that you watch movies and the and the things that you think about and like your your mindset other people are going to sit there and like and most of the ones that i the that i read or people that watched this when they were kids. And do you remember when I watched Phantom? Yeah. I told you for so long that Phantom was 
just this fantastic movie. I loved it. I watched it when I was a kid. I watched it so many times. I, I mean, was like, I, I just had, watched, blah, blah, blah. I and, had questions about it because you said Billy Zane was in it. So yeah. I knew it couldn't be that good. But then you, and, uh, and I remember that uh, the guy that played Raiden in uh, Mortal Kombat, uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, mm-hmm. I was like, so I was like excited. I was like, this is, this is, this is an incredible movie. We threw it in as adults and I was just like, this is garbage hot dumpster fire yeah <laughs> yeah i remember that so day. you were so sad i was so mad i didn't even childhood finished it ruined and i was just like this is bullshit and so but that was the thing was like so my you know what i remember as a child was completely different as to what I could see as a... Well, yeah. So, Because you, you look fan, at it, you're looking at that movie through nostalgia-colored glasses. Yes. So, as a fan who has watched Shocker as a child is going to have a different perception as to a, an adult watching it for the first time. Sure, but there's a lot of stuff I loved as a kid that I've watched now as an adult, and I'm like, what is this? Yeah. And and there's a and it's a lot of it where it's like oh wow I didn't I didn't catch that the first time because kids are just seeing the visual the visual but like now as an adult there's plenty of things I liked as a kid like I can't go back and watch Ren and Stimpy it's so dumb oh like are you kidding me like I'm, I'm doing that now yeah no that's not no but like and even some movies I'm like holy shit but. I think it's I think it's a fair question to ask. Can you can you honestly call somebody a something master, horror master in this case with Wes Craven, when really he's only had a cup out of his out of the forty odd movies or however many it was that he's directed. I have to look at his IMDb again. But out of that many movies, he's had maybe I don't know four that are like knock them dead horror movies but what would what would you consider to be a horror master and who would you consider to be a horror master out of out of the guys that we know to this day like who would you consider to be the end all I don't know. I have to, like, I can't honestly answer that right now because I have to do a lot more digging. Because when I think about the ones that have that title, Craven and Carpenter and stuff, and if, if, if I'm being honest, like, if I take a look back and I look at the filmography, making a couple of, like, top-notch movies, like, if two out of ten of your movies are, um like, knock them out great movies i don't think that makes you a master of anything and if i'm being like objective about it just in terms of sheer statistical numbers to watch this movie and go man there was nothing wrong with this it was amazing i was you know uh, there i felt something watching it whether it was positive feelings scary feelings whatever um i don't think you can say that so I have a hard time. I don't know. There's because if I talk to some other fans, I haven't dug deep into like because I've always been so random about watching horror movies. I've never really dug deep into anybody's catalog outside of like a a couple of the American horror directors. Um. So it's really a tough call, but. 
having talked to some people, I would argue, like, if you're in, maybe Takashi Miike hits it really well out that way, if you're into Japanese horror. Um, but, I don't know. I have to do a lot of digging to that's, be able to that's answer that That's what question. I'm saying is that, so, as... Wes Craven and and John Carpenter being like probably the top two. I don't I don't know. Re- I think the reason that it's because of that, it's because everybody in fan fan win- wisdom, they are not cinephiles. They are the base level fans. They know what they, they went and saw the movie and that's it. Like mm-hmm. they didn't go with like. They're not like horror fans like we are, where we just dig and dig and dig and dig. We watch documentary after documentary. We watch behind the scenes. We buy the Blu-rays just so we can get the extra bonus footage. Sure. We get we do all this stuff, and most fans don't give a shit. They go they go to see the movie and they're like, oh, that was a great scare, and then that was it. They go to Halloween Horror Nights if they live here in Orlando and go, oh, I just went through the haunted house and I just closed my eyes the whole time. I don't care about anything. I remember going through Halloween Horror Nights and most of the time I'm looking at all the fucking props because I'm a nerd. I went through the thing house and I was geeking out. I was begging the workers to let me take photos with one of the the props because I want like I was like I was losing my mind. I wasn't scared. I was more... I was like, I want to just touch it. I want to play with it. Yeah, you're excited. I was like, oh my god, there's the dog. I want to touch the dog. And it's just like, no. And it's... But that's the thing is like, it's... Every fan is going to be different. So for someone as... Like a lot of these people that were watching Shocker and they're saying that this is a 10 out of 10. Some of them were saying, oh, I watched this when I was a kid and it's still great. It's one of Wes Craven's unrated classics and i've never heard that i've never heard shocker being one of them i've i've heard that people like it it's a fun movie but i've never heard like never heard it spoken to about in the same breath of nightmare on elm street and then you know hills have eyes because it's not the it's it's forgotten about, but that's, probably for a good reason. No, but that's where a lot of these fans, like, that's where that whole fan thing comes into play that where I think it's it's the collective where so many people are like, oh, no, I like him, I like him, I like him, I like him, I like him. And then also he keeps getting work for horror movies and he keeps creating horror well, he used to, but he keeps creating, and that's all he would do, and that's where I think the master of horror, I think you could put that label on him because there's not too many directors out there that have solely based their like whole career into one genre, and the fact that he created one of the most iconic figures he created... He wrote it, he directed it, he created that the most iconic character. Like, most of the time when you say horror movies, Freddy Krueger is like the one image that pops up. And that's where it's like, I think we're putting a master of horror title on that is 
is is it's okay. Like it's it's good. Maybe it's not to say that a master can't have a slip. No, I didn't. I'm 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 not gonna say that. You know, everybody. You know, even like the best musicians will put out the occasional <laughs> bad album. Metallica. Shut up. You don't want to talk about <laughs> Saint Anger. Oh my god. No, we know it was bad. And then they then, and then later there was Lulu. Um, oh god. The but. I don't know. I I honestly cannot say that one movie can make you a master in anything. No. And also, for what it's worth, in terms of, like, the horror content that I've seen so far, Nightmare on Elm Street is pretty fucking bland. Yeah. Like, it's really bland. Well, no, Nightmare on Elm Street, the, it's more, like, it's not just that it's bland. It's the concept behind it. It's the something con- that... The, the concept is cool, but I'm talking about the actual execution in the movie on screen. I, when we did it last year, what do we give it, like a three, maybe? It's just... Eh. It's... When you, when you like, step back and you really look at it, like, and you look at it as a whole, yes, but as a fan, you have to step, like take a couple steps forward and think about like okay why did i like this like movie? a backwards monet the closer you get to it the better it looks kind of i mean it's i mean like that if i if i'm being honest it's you know honest the thing like with hellraiser like where i'm like oh my god like why did i like when we were listening to the podcast and they were going through and just tearing it apart and i'm like Holy shit, they're right. Would you like, say they told they tore its soul apart? Yeah, they did. Um, they, they tore my, my soul apart because, like, for years I was like, "This is it's one of my favorite movies," and then also I'm like, "Oh shit, it's not a good movie," it, or it's not it's not as good as I thought it was because they just they tore it apart because they really, you know, just dove into it. Whereas for me, it's like I the the special effects of it. And seeing the you know the body reanimate itself, and just that whole image of Pinhead showing up with the Cenobites and the bo- like, like all that stuff is so fucking good. But then, but turn around, it's like oh yeah, it's got a lot of problems. Like some of the acting isn't you know isn't up to par. The some Hell- of the story doesn't work. But- Hellraiser is one of those unfortunate weirdos <clears throat> that. Uh- its problems came because of studio involvement. Yeah. Hell, that's that's the main issue with a movie like but, Hellraiser. But with like Nightmare on Elm Street, it's like when we look at it, it's like, okay, well, it's a man. It's a, a man that was murdered because he was murdering and, and, and molesting kids. And then he, came, he comes back as a vengeful spirit mm-hmm. that will attack you in your sleep, which... You have no control over. If you fall asleep, you're fucked. Yeah. Like that, that is probably the, the, is so terrifying. And it's like, if you step back for, as a fan where you're like, oh my God, I like as a kid, if I, if I, if you watch this as a kid and the whole, if you grasp the concept that if you fall asleep, he could come, you are never going to want to go to sleep. And it's like, that is so it's it's just like going it's going in the water after watching Jaws. So then let me ask you this. 
is it concept that matters or is it execution that matters? Because if we're talking in terms of straight up concept, yeah, Freddie rocks. Like the whole idea is really cool. The execution of it though is a problem. I, I think so. That it, it's it, so. Do you feel like fans are more enamored with the concept, or do you feel I like also, fans are more enamored with the execution of I it? I feel that fans are enamored with the history of the character. I think the fans of the first film are going to be true fans. They're going to love everything about it. They're going to love all like all the bits. My thing as a horror fan is special effects. Uh, like I think one of my favorite scenes is when uh, Nancy's walking down the 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 high school you know hallway mm-hmm. and she sees you know her her friend in the body bag and. You know, like bugs. That that thing is so awesome. Like it's just really, it's really creepy. That's really, uh, and then uh, one of the best scenes too is the Johnny Depp and the blood scene where he gets sucked into the bed and then like the blood shooting up because they they flip the room around Mm -hmm. like that. Like that's that's fucking cool. Yeah. So I mean, and the fact that they thought to do that is. Incredible. Here's so, but I mean, like the the thing that I'm I'm trying to say is that with the fans, it's all in that person's perspective and how they're feeling about whatever it is. As I just said, it's like a lot of the props, a lot of the gimmicks. That's what drives me into those horror movies. A concept, if the concept's not there, it's not going to do anything. The execution of those is definitely going to be a, a big a big factor. And and, and that and that's where that's where I agree with you on cause, that. Cuz yeah, cuz for me a concept is Wes, I was crave The biggest it. the biggest letdown for me though is having a stellar concept and a piss poor execution. I'm going to use the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, for example, and that movie gets shit on so much and I can understand why. However, the concepts that they had in the movie of like the micronaps and stuff and kind of ground, grounding it with a little bit of science and stuff. That was really cool. The execution of it, maybe not so much. So when I say um, concept is great, but I think execution matters more because... At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how great your idea is. If you cannot communicate that idea well or it it lands flat, then you didn't do it right. Okay, so let's let's think about it this way. Because, like, hang on, because I'm going to go back to, before I lose the thought, I'm going to go back to your uh, phantom argument where you're like, you know, something as a kid, you watch it as an adult, and you're like, oh my god, this is terrible. For me, Wes Craven's New Nightmare is actually probably the better of the two Wes Craven... Agreed. ...Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and I'm probably going to hell for saying it. However, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street when I was eight years old, or uh, a New Nightmare when I was eight years old. It scared the hell out of me. I would, like, take running leaps into my bed because I thought Freddy Krueger was under my bed trying to grab my ankles at any time. It, like, I'd have nightmares for weeks after watching it. But I love that movie. Going back and rewatching it as an adult, 
I still love that movie. It still holds together as probably one of the better things that Wes Craven's done. Like it was well thought out. The special effects worked. Like everything about that movie worked. The pulling Hansel and Gretel into it um, as sort of a, 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 I don't think theme's the right word, but as sort of a vibe to the movie. You get the Hansel and Gretel vibe. Like all of that worked really, really well. And, um, but Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't have the kid nostalgia for because I didn't see it until I was like 18 or 19 years old. So I was much older the first time I saw Nightmare 1. And I never found it scary. It never hit the way like everyone swears, oh, it's the scariest thing ever. And the stuff in it, the special features were so crazy and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I mean, it's okay, but it was still poorly acted and maybe not. I think a lot of it too is Robert England. I think more fans are just enamored with Robert England in the mask than anything else. And that's, I think, is... Like, story be damned. Yeah, and a lot of... And also, I think a lot of people that are fans of the Nightmare... uh, It's the series. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's like... It may not be Nightmare 1, but that's where it started... And then, it, but like my favorite is Dream Warriors because it's got a little bit of action in it, and it's just it's and that's, and that's where Freddie really started to kind of get all those one-liners going, like the good one-liners, and yeah, well, no, like the more like iconic ones. Like, yeah, I mean that was Welcome more, to Prime Time, bitch. Like, and that was the one I was going to use as the example, <laughs> the Welcome to Prime Time, bitch. Um, I don't know. I just I have a really I'm actually kind of let. I mean, it's a little premature to say this, but really digging into Craven's work, I really don't think I would use the term master. Um, his characters are actually pretty milk toast. Like, there's no dimensions to them. And even watching Shocker here, it was, um, you know, you had your, when we get into the proper episode, we'll talk about that more, I'm sure, but like, the villain was kind of cartoony and the hero was just sort of bleh. Um, and that's what's disappointing to me. I, I think at this point it's safe to say, like, characters drive me in a movie. Whether it's a horror movie or not, like, I have to be able to relate to somebody. And I also... I he's al- just... They're so white bread. I also think that maybe this was a studio... Maybe this was a studio decision where it's like, oh, like maybe, you know, Craven was going in a certain direction and the studio was like, oh, no, we got to make this for the certain demographic. No, um, and what because, well, back in the back in the 80s or, you know, like late 80s, early 90s, you could definitely tell like that's where it was just like, oh, like we're the studio. We're going to make all this money. It's like you got to do this one thing. And you saw like a slew of, of all that. Well, and this this was written and directed by Craven himself. He was this was all his fingerprints. However, um, he did have to send it to the MPAA like th- thirteen separate times in order to bring it down from an X rating to an R. Yeah, because in eighty nine and the early nineties is when the MPAA was really cracking down hard. That's what I mean. And like there were scenes that were you never saw Pink Pinker kill anybody, and but. Just the like the 
image or like the little stories of where he's like, oh, like, oh, it's like he's already killed seven families. And it's like just that image of, oh, my God, he's killed people. So he's like a massive threat and he's just a shark swimming around this this town cutting editing for special effects and not having a story that makes sense are two very different things yeah (laughs) that that's one thing where it's like i think that if the story you just missed it's fine but the directing style and just everything that he tried to put into it i don't i think craven did fantastic on I almost kind of feel like it could have been something with the studio or someone higher up from him that was saying, no, we we need to do this or this needs more of that. Um, because like on, on Shocker, it says comedy, horror, science fiction. So the comedy and stuff, I think, is... The comedy didn't work, by no, the way. No, and I think because... And the stuff you were laughing at was funny by accident. <laughs> exactly. Like, it wasn't the stuff you were supposed to be laughing at. But there was the stuff that was, like... So, 89... Which uh, nightmare are they on by this time? Nightmare 5. 5. They're on Nightmare 5. So, a studio is probably well-versed into... And I think we're on Friday the 13th, part 7. Exactly. So they are are well into what, oh, people are into and things like that. So do you think that some studio head was like, oh, we need to get more of that Kruger comedy in there, those one-liners... And so lines like that shocker, or, you know, that pink oh, game. Oh, God, it's so uh, bad. It's like, oh, come on, boy, let's go take a ride in my Volkswagen. They're horrible lines. But I almost feel like that, and they don't they don't sound like Craven. Like, that's no, the thing. No, because he wasn't the zinger guy. No. And that, and like, he didn't do zingers. He hasn't done zingers in any of his movies except for Scream. And he was making fun of all those zingers. Yeah, that's the only reason why he did it is because it was, it was very meta. But that's, that's what I'm saying. Is like He didn't do it in the Wes Craven's New Nightmare. He didn't do... Like he, Freddy didn't have the, the crazy one-liners. He didn't really have them in the first movie either. That's what I'm saying. He didn't do it in Hills Have Eyes. He didn't do it in Last House on the Left. So, why would, so why would they do something in the 80s when, when the five of the, the Nightmare movies have come out and they're like some of the most popular movies out there. And that's where it's like, that's where I feel like with shocker, it may have not have worked because there could have been backstage shit going on. That's not, that's not Craven's fault. He's got the writing credit and the directing credit, but at the same time, there's producers and higher ups and everyone that's, that may not be, this was eh, this was a really low budget movie. I don't think they're going to be that many fingers in the pot. And then, but, um, yeah, there is a possibility that that was a like they were like sprinkle some things in. However, again, Wes Craven was the sole writer on this script, credited as the sole writer on this script, and it was a fucking mess. Like everything about this movie was a fucking mess. Yeah. Um, it didn't. None of it made sense. And the the necklace MacGuffin and everything else is just like, oh my fucking god! Can we not with this? Um, this 
he, Craven just whiffed it with this movie. And, but I don't want to say this is one of his rare misses because I feel like he whiffs more than he hits, um, when he does these things. Like, honestly, for me, like all four of the screen movies were great. And then like Wes Craven's new nightmare and then everything else I've seen let's see um most pretty much everything he did in the 80s not great not great at all um I mean it's watchable but I wouldn't necessarily call him a master of anything at that point um in fact I don't think I would slap that label on him until Wes Craven's new nightmare came out and then scream kind of solidified it if you want to if you want to use the title Master of Horror. Like, I don't think he earned it until New Nightmare came out. And then Scream just, like, stamped it in in, in stone for him. I I think that more of the, the Master of Horror title, it's... It's more... I don't know. Like, I almost feel like it's just a ranking. Because, like... because uh, well, they, they, they have, like, the Masters of Horror series. It's not to say that, like, oh, like, the, I mean, a lot of them are, like, the end-all be-alls, as, as, you know, we were just talking about. But I think it's more of, like, oh, it's, like, these are just the, the most iconic. They're names. And, and that's the thing. is it's, it's, it's name. It's, okay, Wes Craven created Freddy Krueger. John Carpenter created Michael Myers. So it's, like, Kellogg's versus Great Value brand? Kind of. I mean, uh, I mean, I guess if you want to say it like that, maybe, but... It's, I mean, it's to say that these guys are iconic because of what they created. And that's why fans latch on to them. Or they, they, they put them up on this, you know, high, uh, high up on the bookshelf. Pedestal. Uh, I, like, I like my analogy. Okay. So, but that's where it's like, they just put them up there just so they could just sit up there and, and just look at them. But the it's not that they most fans like them; they like their creations. Maybe they like the idea of that director more than the actual. Kind of like Star Wars fans, they like the idea of Star Wars, even though they don't actually like the movies. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's and that's another one. It's like with Star Wars, George Lucas is is the most loved and, and hated. Yeah, like they hate him for what he did. After the movies, you know, like later in later Ironically, years. he only wrote the first three movies. He didn't have a hand in directing any of them. He can create a world on paper, <laughs> but he needs someone else to execute his ideas, which we learned from episodes one. Two, but that's what I'm saying is like, it's... Though, like, but he's still a legendary director because... His movies have or grossed le- a le- buttload of money. Legendary creator. I mean, like, he's hit that status. Same thing with Wes Craven. It's, granted, the Freddy, like, the Nightmare franchise is what created, you know, all this you yeah, know, and if you're revenue tra- and stuff like that. And if you're that, talking but- about straight-up dollars, like, the later, the middle Nightmare movies, like, three and four, I think, made the most. They were the highest grossing of the bunch. So he threw a script at Bob Shea for Dream Warriors, but it got hacked a bit. So basically he just got like, 
a liner credit on it because he created the characters and brought Nancy back for it, and that was about it. Yeah, I mean, but, like, if you want to, like, go through, it's like, would you, con- like, maybe consider, like, Guillermo del Toro? Is he a master of horror? No, because he's a fantasy director. But, I would say he's a master of fantasy because his movies are actually, like, they are fantastic. Not in the sense of, like, this is great, but I mean fantastic in the actual literal definition of the term to watch because he builds these amazing worlds and creates these beautiful characters and he tells these ridiculously fantastical stories and so yeah i would say he's a master of the fantasy realm del toro dabbles in horror like we'll probably get around to doing the devil's backbone later and pan's labyrinth definitely has one foot in there and we've already done crimson peak and stuff so like he dabbles in horror but he definitely roots things more in a fantasy world. And he's good at it. Like, Peter Jackson has done horror, and he did it very poorly. Or awesomely bad, depending on your point of view. But he has done some amazing work in fantasy. His fantasy movies have been amazing. So, in those cases, yes, they are a master of um, so if you want to look at it that way, and that brings up another question too, is what is it, why is horror so hard to get right? Because fans have a, a very high expectation. Which or- is really silly because it's, it really is like. And this is coming from a horror movie junkie. It really no, is scraping I, the bottom of the barrel in terms of genres. So when I play video games and like Call of Duty, right? So this the this most recent one that I'm playing, I absolutely love it and hate it at the same time. Because there's mechanics and things about it that I don't understand i don't think that they they fit it's they really need to fix it and get it right to make so there's it some perfect... clunk, clunky things yes but they work for in a weird way mm-hmm. it's like there's that one map that i play that shipment where it's just like it's bottled chaos yeah, because it's that itty bitty little map, right? It's a, yeah, it's like you, you like you'll sit there and run around and like, oh, someone spawns right behind you and then shoots you in the back of the head, and it's just like, okay, well, I don't understand it. Why is that there? Why did you do that? Why do you have so many different spawn points? But when you like really look at the game, the whole mechanics of it are fantastic. Well, as far as like the the structure of it the build the graphics everything like that's like the the weapons are amazing like there's things about it that are like it's it's fantastic so going back to horror movies same thing it's there's for fans there are things where you go through it and you're watching the film you are going to see something that i don't or i see something that i love more about a movie that you don't in that in in Call of Duty, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos where there's there's guys on there that sit there and they just bitch 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 and they're like, oh, this game is garbage, garbage, garbage. But then right. there's like there's people that turn around and they're like, 
oh no, I really like this. I love this. I love that. And because there's so many people out in this world that are, that are viewing something or playing something or getting involved in something, they're going to have a different reaction compared to this. Hor- that's what horror fans, they have this weird expectation of how something should go or what they want to see out of out of this and expectations get high or because as like like you and me where we've seen so many movies we're either desensitized by it and so it's one of those okay what are you going to do to one up it it's like what are you going to do to surprise me what are you going to do to it's like we're not surprised or we're not like we're well if if i'm not surprised or scared or nervous or anxious or whatever negative emotion you want to insert into that conversation i have to look at it from a different angle so okay well this movie didn't scare me what did it do um i think that's important to find enjoyment in it because even though there's things like toxic avenger on paper is absolute dog shit but it made me smile the whole time because of the absurdity of it and a whole bunch of other reasons um that we discussed when we watched the movie but like I just, um, I think it's just changing tact at that point. But that's, that still isn't, that's still, maybe that's something worth digging into is like, what is it about, because action movies, we all know they're the ones that are going to bank. They're the ones that have the broadest appeal. No, but, but still like people, like they still flock to, to those movies, yet they still get a bunch of shit on them. Right, no, but in terms of like, Success in dollars and butts in seats, action movies will always be number one oh, yeah. because they appeal to the broadest audience. And you also don't have to think in those, and you can usually cover up a lot of issues with the explosions. Um, Michael Bay. Right. Um, but like, those do really well. Dramas and period dramas, especially, tend to do really well. Um, there's a lot of really good storytelling that goes along in those. Same thing with fantasy because you're world building. So it's a hundred percent fiction. So you can just let your imagination go cuckoo banana pants and just spew something amazing up on the screen. But for whatever reason, in terms of genre, just the genre as a whole, horror doesn't seem to get it right that often. Once in a great blue moon, you have a scream or a saw or a Texas well, Chainsaw Massacre. Think about it this way, too. When we have horror movies, there is a horror movie formula. We call it the paint by numbers. Well, slasher movies, yeah. No, it's, it's horror movies in general. Like, where like you could sit there and watch a horror movie. It's like, for a ghost movie, there's a formula for a ghost movie. It's like you're going to walk into a room. There's not going to be anything there. Lights will flicker. And then the guy walks out. And then later on, guy walks in. And it's like you know, like some poltergeist shit where things are flying across the room. Or you see a ghost right. in the back it's corner. It's a steady build in activity. Yeah. But that's the thing. is like it, Almost every ghost movie does that. Depending on, as you said, the execution of what that ghost movie like my top ghost movies are woman in black uh dead silence 
actually, I'm sorry, flip that. Dead Silence, Woman in Black, and then uh, Insidious. Like, those are, those are my three top, like, ghost movies because they scared the shit out of me because of that formula. They did that slow build, but it's the execution of the ghost. Well, two out of really... three of those are James Wan's movies. Would you say? Would you be safe to say that James, James Wan, Wan is... is a modern master of horror? Yeah, I would. I would definitely. I would definitely say that. But his movies have made. If you want to talk in terms of just sheer dollar success, yeah. his movies have made a lot of money. Like yeah. he shames the other masters of horror just in terms of dollars. Yeah. And I would definitely put him in that. Like so, he would. Uh, James Wan is in there. Um, I'm trying to think of any other directors off the top of my head, but I mean, but it's uh, Ramy, evil, all the Evil Dead stuff. It's like even though like he hasn't he doesn't do so like so many, but like that Evil Dead is like one of those like for me at least it's it's such a classic. It's one of those. It's a go-to movie for me for yeah. horror, and I mean, I think for a lot of people too. I mean, like in like the music industry and everything like that. It's like every music video that we see when we in heavy it, metal. It's like they always go to Evil Dead, Dead so much. <laughs> so, but I don't understand. I mean, like it's so good, but it's just like I don't understand. But why that one in particular? Yeah. What is it? What is the allure <laughs> of the Evil Dead? So. But it's just like, but there's something about it. It's just having that the the directing style and just what he did with and, and Evil Dead was great, but it's like Evil Dead Two is where I think it, it like that's where the you know the nitty the the PBJ is is really there. Um, it's, Perfect combination of things. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's like. And then, you know, Army of Darkness was just him trying to do a, a was, horror action movie. Yeah. Um, but it's like Evil Dead 2 is... I don't know. Is, Spider-Man 3 was pretty scary for a whole host of other reasons. Yeah. Um, but there was... But Sam Raimi, I would definitely put him in that. And, uh, like, uh, what, what's the other one? Like, the other horror movie he, he did it was uh, Drag Me to Hell. Mm-hmm. Like, I heard that one was fucking nuts, too. And it's like, but it's like I heard lot. it. I heard that that movie. I haven't seen it. I've only seen bits of it. But uh, I've heard that movie does exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> oh yeah, but like, but all the build up and everything that goes in with that movie is like supposed to like, for it just be gnarly, and so that's the thing is. But I've also heard from fans that are like, oh no, that movie's, you know, a you know dog shit. It's like okay, well, what, what like what is it? I don't know. I think um. It's horror fans are a curious breed. Yeah. And I think that fits into the conversation of are they looking at things and being honest? Because they swear up and down they want something new, they get something new, they shit on it. They swear up and down they want to see indie directors do well. An indie director does well, they shit on it. And then they complain there's no original movies being put out because everything is either a remake or reboot or a sequel or it's based off of a book right well i mean that yeah that's been going on since the beginning of time but or beginning of cinema anyway but the uh something original gets released it gets shit 
shit on and it bombs because they don't want to go see it because it's not something familiar. It's not another Freddy Krueger movie or the, Jason Voorhees movie. The biggest thing with fans that I've seen is that there's a lot of people that will, that when they love something, they keep it kind of close to their chest. Mm-hmm. It's they're like they're not super vocal about it until someone until the person that doesn't like it stands on their soapbox and just starts screaming out of a bullhorn how dog shit dumpster fire just trash that it is and then that person that loves it go oh wait hey wait whoa 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 and depending on how that person's you know personality is. They will stand up and go, nope, and then they they start arguing. But the person that's got the megaphone that's, like, screaming how – like, that thing is, like, the negativity is going to outweigh the positive all day long. I think the horror fandom in general is pretty toxic because there's a lot of elitists in the fandom, a lot of them, that for whatever reason – and. I think because there's also a lot of crossover with heavy metal. Heavy metal's full of a lot of the elitist neckbeards too, the gatekeepers. So I think um, I think that plays a lot into it. But it just bums the- me out because like they either are not objective because they have these built-in biases because they love this one character in this one movie by this one director one time. So that director slash writer, like in the case of Craven, can do no wrong ever. Never, ever. Everything is a perfect masterpiece. Or they are so picky and they are so particular that they are looking for some, like... Like, these are the guys that will look down their nose at a Da Vinci painting and be like, I mean, it's all right, I guess, but, you know, Jackson Pollock is better. I just, I'm... Like, the fan... When you say the word fan... That's what comes to mind is just that image of you got two different people. One that's like, oh, I love it, love it, love it. And then the other person's like, oh, my God. Like, just like, I'm it's the worst it. thing yeah. I've ever seen. And, burn it with fire. And the whenever, whenever I hear the word fan, all I think about is Star Wars fans. Because I've, you, me, Brock, we've all had those discussions where we sat down and talked fan theories or fan you know just we talked about back and forth back and forth back and forth i and we watched those documentaries on george lucas and uh, like just how fans are just like oh like i love george lucas and like and then all of a sudden they turn around and it's just like why did he do this Ah!" like just they're ripping shit up and it's it's like but you're still like and that's where it's it's you're able to love and hate and that's the thing about being a fan is that you don't always have to like everything it's like you're a fan of horror so it's like you have like what you like and and going forward with that Uh, a perfect example i mean i would never i would never say like you have to like everything 100 percent of the time but what i'm getting at is in terms of sheer numbers like statistics and dollars and that sort of thing it seems like maybe some of these fans like the idea more than the actual execution of the product. No, it's it's weird. Most most of the time, that is, I would definitely say that's correct. Um, however, there are those fans that will sit there and see a movie 
and they have are diving deep to make sure that it's like, oh, like and they they can explain why they like it and why it's good or why and like and that thing is like their perception of why it is good is their truth like that that is their end all be all right do in you, their book do you and, think that sometimes that maybe the headspace that that person is in at the time they see very much like so. a nightmare on elm street affects how they see it very much so and a perfect example the shining for you and me is completely different because the headspace that i saw it in as when i was you know a teenager and again watching jack nicholson my joker like just you know go fucking cuckoo bananas with an axe chasing down his his wife and, and son in a hotel was absolutely fantastic for me i i loved it and then to have you sit there and watch it and you know and just that's, and not and like but that's the thing is like you're not gonna like but the way that you saw the movie is completely different from the way that i saw the movie and our episode on the shining proved that because i saw things and and on top of that i was seeing things and reading into things that not, that wasn't explained on screen that's how i saw it that's not how you know johnny rogers saw it that's not how susan b anthony saw it that's not how like it it's how i saw it and that's where it made the movie good for me and that's why i was a fan of it because that's what i took out of it i've never i've never talked to anybody about the shining I, I've only, heard, like, if, if The Shining comes up, it's like, oh, that fucking, that's a great fucking movie. Moving on. Jack Nicholson, fucking great. Like, that's like, just moving on. Like, it's a very quick, we never get into in-depth discussions about The Shining or whatever. Our podcast is the first time I've ever gone into an in-depth discussion. Yeah. So, that was my perception on the movie. And that's why I love the movie. You did not like the movie because you had a completely different perspective on it. Now, and and fans all across the world are in that same boat. It's it's so polarizing to see, and that's the thing is like you could love it or hate it or something like that, but to still say that this movie is getting so much love. That's gonna put it higher on, on the shelf, than it, in most movies. In in most horror movies, you're gonna sit there and go, okay, what's what's a good horror movie to watch during Halloween? Yeah. Okay, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth. Boom. Those are those are your easy ones. Oh, you want to go in for you know something a little bit more, uh, you know, supernatural, a little bit little, little devilly. Boom. Exorcist. Omen. And then it's like so you got like you, you kind of get those little genres like oh it's like oh you want a little little bit most more ghost stuff boom shining and then like so you're gonna get those those out of them and when we watched the the Stephen King Shining same thing it was like you were like oh my god it's like night and day because they had more to play with but that was Stephen like. 
they already had something that was created that Steven didn't like and wanted to see done differently, so they were able to up that. And then, so, all the stuff that fans liked were, you know, they were able to kind of build up on that. And so it's it's a weird thing with the, the for the fans to sit there and have like such a polarizing thought process. It is it's very very rare to have everybody on the same page. Everyone is always going to be indifferent, and it's going right. to be good. It's not all the time you have a Nickelback situation where everyone is just they all hate it. Yeah. And, and the point is, like, I don't hate it. That's because I don't hate it. Like, I'm not, like, out rushing to buy a Nickelback album. I don't hate it. Same thing with Five Finger Death Punch. I'm not, like, the biggest fan, but I don't hate it. It's not the best. It's, it's, it's not bad. But that's the thing is, like, with, like, in the fandom for horror, when you say Wes Craven, I think, yeah, people put him as the master of horror because... Their entire catalog is all horror movies. And then on top of that, they've created the most iconic characters to date. And that's why I think it's like putting putting them in the label as master of horror is okay. And this is like, uh, you know, like this big long table of... You know, guys in robes, like, it's, it's the club of Masters of War, where it's like, you got Carpenter, James Wan, and Sam Raimi, like, so it's like, all these guys that have... This elite club. That's what I'm saying, it's like, yeah. you know, Eli Roth, and, you know, so they're all there, but, like, it's, it's weird because you could put them as that, but I think it's more because of, of what they accomplished for that character, same thing with, with Ghostface, where it's, you know, and that was later on that he created something that became. He did it twice. And I think that might be the biggest distinction with Craven, where I know I can be a little bit hard because I try to look at the full, full span of work. I try to look at everything objectively, the whole thing from beginning to end. But I think maybe that's what allows Craven to be in the conversation as a horror master is because he somehow twice created two iconic film franchises. He was a genius about it, especially one scream during a time when horror was thought to be dead. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is that not there's not too many horror directors that can do that they can't even do it once that's what i'm saying it's like so that's where it's like the master of horror thing i think is okay it's like yeah they may have a bunch of misses in the their catalog but at the same time they've also created do you, the, the the smash hits. do you think that maybe maybe it's because they somehow the handful of times they did hit they hit so big it became a legacy oh yeah because you, we look back on, and it's weird because Craven, he has like a couple of, he's had a, he had had a couple of hits like every decade, 
And then in between, you have, like, these middling ones. They were like, eh, it was either like, no, they're okay, or like, oh, it's not very good. Um, but we look back at The Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes as two of the most brutal horror movies of the 70s. We look back at Nightmare on Elm Street as launching not only a whole franchise, but an entire... Like, he, it, Freddy Krueger became the flag bearer for an entire genre of movies. And then in the 90s, he managed to do it again with Scream. So, do you think that maybe we can kind of forgive some of the, the meh or, like, bad films? Because, um, because he just, they, they happen to have... Like, the hits were just, they hit so big, and they've created such an impact. Even if we're not talking about, like, dollars and butts and movie seats. It's it's not, uh, we can, I mean, I guess you, I don't know if you could say forgive them. It's more of, like, it, you tried. So, yeah, you you can forgive them. Well, I mean, uh, well, okay, uh, yeah. Cause, but looking at it that way, it's like, well, you tried. You give them a pat on the head and a cookie and send them on their way. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that, yeah, it, it, you can definitely forgive him for, I mean, I forgive Prince for Bat Dance, but it's... Um, <laughs> I mean, that whole soundtrack was... It's pretty, pretty bad, but it's just... I mean, those... it's awesomely bad, but it's still kind of bad. It's, yeah, but it's Prince, man. It's like, God, he's he's the goat, man. <laughs> so, but that's the thing is, like, it's... I think you can you can forgive them, and most of the time you're gonna go okay. Yeah, that movie wasn't the best, and it's not my favorite, so I'm gonna move past it and go back to you know what I want. Since Craven's not with us anymore, you you can only go back into his catalog. So do you, do you think that maybe his passing because he's going on five years now since he passed? Do you think his passing might have something to do with it too? That, that, oh, I mean, he had the, the master of horror status before he died, but now he, it's just like, now he's at that but legend do you think status. It, yeah, that's what it, I mean. You think it moved yeah. up a level because of his passing. Yeah. Because that happens sometimes. Oh, yeah, no, it does. And, I, like, I know when uh, Carpenter finally kicks the bucket, too, which is probably going to be pretty soon. Dude, I don't know how he's outlived everybody. Like, I don't he, know. The man smells like a chimney. Well, do you remember when uh, we went to, uh, Spooky Empire, and he ended up having to like leave because he had the fucking heart attack or something like that. Like, or like, it was a heart complication. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, and like, like, it's like, like Carpenter's oh, yeah. not gonna be here. Well, no, uh, he like he was there the first day, and then he, he wasn't there because uh, it was Friday when we saw him. Oh, and, that's right. And then, and then he Saturday, he had yeah. the, or it was Friday night. He had the heart complication. Yeah, I don't know, but he's outlived Romero. Who also smoked like a chimney. He outlived Craven, who was relatively healthy, except he got sick. I mean, like Romero is another one. That's that. That's that was something. I don't know why I didn't think of it. Of him. It's like he's another master of horror, and all he's done is fucking zombie movies. Pretty much. I mean, in creep show. But but I mean, like that right there. And a is, couple of music videos. But I mean, it's just. Or he only did the one. It was the Misfits shirt. Which, he did a Misfits video, and it was a zombie music video. Oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, it's like, that's all he's done is, is zombie, zombie shit. And it's, but at yeah. the same, but, but, 
The it's but the, the I guess way, if you do something, you might as well just go for broke and do but, it to the best it, of your ability. Yeah, but his directing style and everything like that, it really worked. And Romero was different, though. I mean, I think we can have a conversation about Romero and Craven because both of them had this wonderful ability to roll with the times and adjust and evolve accordingly. I don't, Toby Hooper, he kind of stalled out in the 80s. He didn't really do, not that I can recall anyway, do much past Poltergeist. Um, and Carpenter. Carpenter in the 70s through like the early mid 80s did great. And then at the end of the 80s, getting into the 90s, all of a sudden, I don't know what the fuck happened, but his, he just, his movies weren't the same standard that they were prior to that. So, um, He's another one that kind of maybe suffered a little bit because he wasn't able to. But Romero had this amazing ability because zombies can be used as an allegory for so many different things. He always found a way to apply them to whatever the cultural thing du jour was. Okay, so I'm actually going to bring this up because we did the, uh, like we were looking through. So for George Romero, he did Martin. Which I think was a sci-fi, like yeah, like uh, it was an alien movie. Yeah, and then he did Dawn of the Dead, Night Riders, Creep Show, Day of the Dead, Monkey Shines. Oh yeah, I remember Monkey Two Shines. Evil Eyes, The Dark Half, which I didn't know that he actually directed that one. Uh, the Misfits Scream music video, Bruiser, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead. Survival of the Dead, and All then Amusement the the Park, dead. and it was just like so. But that was the thing is like, it's like pretty much all this his entire catalog is of the dead. So it's one of those like, oh, like can we put it as a Master of War because that's all he's done is is that. And it's like yes, yes you can. It's like he created the what we know to be he, a zombie. Yeah, today. he he created the modern zombie template that literally every other zombie movie has. So, so that's what I'm saying is like, so because he... At least American zombie movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, so he created something that we now use today as the zombie. And then, you know, same thing with like, oh, okay, when you say horror movies, Freddy Krueger automatically comes to mind because he's just uh, your 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 scary monster. He's, it's always... It, it goes two ways. When you say horror movie, a lot of people think either like Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, Leatherface kind of thing, or they think like Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, yep. Wolfman. So they either go monsters or they go slashers usually. But most of the time it's like if you pull up like a, just like type in monster or something, Freddy Krueger's picture usually pops up. Same thing with Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Um, so I mean like those are your, your iconics you know, characters, and so, like, the fact that Wes Craven created him, of course he's gonna get lumped into that, like, he's he's attached to him. So, it's, it's, I think it's gonna be so okay. maybe that's the way we have to look at it, is we have to look at, maybe put aside the movies that weren't done quite as well, for whatever reason. Whatever the reason may be, whether it's studio problems, script problems, ex- whatever. Um... Put those aside and look at how how impactful the hits were. 
and I think after having this conversation, I think you, I can get on board with you and say, yeah, maybe Craven is the master of horror because of the lasting impact of his hits. And again, this isn't dollars because Lord knows there's much more, there's directors out there that have made studios way more money than Craven ever could have hoped to make for a studio. But I'm talking in terms of like legacy impact on a genre, an entire genre of movies. I think we can honestly say Craven probably has the biggest and most impactful legacy of any of the horror directors. Would you say so? Maybe? Um, out of the horror directors, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think he's definitely one of the highest. And he had a name. Yep. Made. Ready-made director name. Like, his actual name on a birth certificate was Wesley Craven. Like, you don't get... It's like he had no choice with a name like that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like... When you get into, it's like Edgar Allan Poe or H.P. Lovecraft. It's like... They just, those names are just perfect. Right. What for, else are you going to do with that? Become a plumber? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's like, you know, John, you know, you got like John Carpenter, but it's like. It's a pretty bland name. Eh, it's okay. It's like, but I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, Carpenter's, Carpenter and is like a, it's like Smith. Like, it's just one of those, Nick, <laughs> those names that so many people have. What's your name? Max Power. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, okay. I think He's I the can... man you can touch, but you cannot touch. Wow. Wow. Can't get through one segment without a song from you. That's fun. His name sounds good in your ear. Wait, what? Wait, we're recording? Oh, shit, you're recording! All right, well, guys, well, you know, just make sure to like, share, subscribe, and... Uh... I didn't even realize we were recording this whole thing. You did it? No. Oh my gosh. The conversation conversation was going so well. I had to hit the record button. I didn't know we were recording. That's amazing. Why do you think I kept touching my phone? I thought you were checking the time or something. Nope. I had no idea. And look how long we've been recording, dum dum. Oh wow, we have a whole episode. That's amazing. Yeah. You yeah. got everything. That's amazing. Like, okay. Well, right, well get, yeah. I just, mean, you can edit. You can edit this part out, and I'll just, I'll just record a wrap. Oh no, around. no, no! I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna do the wrap around now. But it's just like, holy shit! That's amazing. I'm keeping that in there. <laughs> You're oh, surprised. So good. No, that's really funny. Oh, I thought we were having a conversation. We were. I just yeah. hit the record button on it. All right, guys. Well, you know, thanks for stopping in. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for an honest look at uh, horror and horror directors uh, and Lunchbox's surprise. Uh, it's funny. I thought you knew. Holy shit. No. No, I thought you saw me do it. Um, yeah. Wow, now I feel bad. No, I don't. That's a joke. I totally don't feel bad. <laughs> when have you ever felt bad about doing shit to me? Uh, it happens occasionally. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah, just once in a while. Um, but like, share, subscribe, especially hit that subscribe button. Um, so we drop in your favorite podcatcher every Tuesday. Um, join us on the social medias at Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher at Creepin' It Real. R-E-E-L as in Movie Real. Um, 
you can send us an email if you'd like to participate in a conversation or maybe have movie suggestions. You can hit us up at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. Yeah, if you guys have any uh, like any of your own opinions on like what if you know, whatever you heard us ramble on about, it's like, yeah, please chime on in. Either email or social media. And if you like us a whole bunch, jump uh, head on over to creepinitreal.redbubble.com. For all of your merch needs, t-shirts, stickers, stationery, etc. It's uh, getting into back to school season. So, you know, you might want to look at maybe going ahead and getting some of that. It's like maybe a new mug or notebook or something. Oh, yeah. So they they do have like like notebooks and journals and things like that. But they are now coming out with bags. Like book bags and duffel bags. So you can get your own creeping. I'm gonna have to do like a whole like slew of like different artwork stuff just to just get for that. Bags, yeah. Like whole like it looks fucking cool. I'm like I'm I'm probably gonna be you know, jumping in on that and, and buying something for myself. But I was like, damn, like that's pretty awesome that they they have like a whole slew of just all types of shit you can buy. You know, from t-shirts, hoodies. Yeah, I uh, love Redbubble. They have leggings and dresses and... Fully customizable. It's socks. Holy... Like, it's, it's fucking endless. So, yeah, jump on there and all the artwork's done by me. So you're supporting the podcast and supporting my artwork and... Yeah, I love you. Yeah. Kisses. Let, let Lunchbox do his ramble thing. Yeah. Um, Alright, guys. So, until next episode... I've Meg. <laughs> Lunchbox. And um, just a heads up, maybe y'all should warn your partners before you start recording them speaking.